everyone has some sort of a closet that has become too small. A closet is no place to live, and I want to support as many people as I can in stepping out of that prison into the fullness of life that is waiting for them on the other side of that door. This is Nancy Shadlock from Centered Life Coaching. Join me in listening to these coming out chronicles. Get curious about their stories and then go see what good things are waiting for you on the other side of your closet door. You might remember a few episodes ago that I put out a call for anyone who wanted to share their coming out story as a means of coming out in itself. And shortly after I did that, I got a message from Carly. And she said that she feels it's important to share her story as a way of becoming more visible for others, but also to kind of push herself into this new way of being in the world. In her first message, she said, I'd like to do an interview like this just to prove that someone like me exists. I love that. I love that speaking out and sharing her story is a way of showing others that she's out there living her life and others might be having a similar experience and feel alone. But now, after hearing her story, they may not feel so alone and feel like, yeah, somebody else gets me. So I'd like to start off this episode by asking if you could prove that someone like you exists, what unique characteristics would that hold? Like, what is it about you that is unique that you wish you could share in the world? I think that would be a really interesting thing to hear from you. So if you feel like sharing, send me a message on social. Carly, it's so wonderful to have you on the show. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself? I am a wife and a mom and discovering many things about myself now that I'm in my 30s. Turning 30 was a big deal. I'm discovering that I am bisexual, but married to a man happily. And I am also really feeling called to dig in more to my indigenous ancestry, which is from Mexico. And I also advocate and learn how to advocate for my son, who has a genetic condition called Noonan syndrome, and he will be four soon. And he's our first child. So we're kind of just everything we're learning about parenting is kind of started with him and this advocate journey as well. And we're surviving a quarantine pretty much constantly to help keep him safe. So (laughs) having lots of time for self-reflection and learning even more about myself Mm. so yeah I'm writing a book (laughs) awesome and well you should that's (laughs) a lot of things yes so I feel like you maybe touched on a little bit of it but what what is the coming out story that you'd like to share with us like set the scene for it and what's going on for you 
Well, I really publicly kind of made a, a, an announcement on my social media almost two years ago, but I had kind of known about um, my sexuality for maybe another two years before that. And so I was in my late 20s by the time I kind of figured it out. Um, and that's probably heavily due to growing up in a super conservative evangelical Christian environment. And uh, so I was really growing up, I didn't even know that there was an option for something other than marrying a man and having children and being a Sunday school teacher or a worship leader or whatever acceptable roles there are for women mm-hmm. <laughs> in the church. And so I just sort of grew up in that. And as a child, I kind of had moments here and there where looking back on it now, I realized, oh, I didn't just really want to be friends with that popular girl or that pretty girl. I had a crush on that girl. Mm-hmm. And and I had, but I also had equal amounts of crushes on boys in school and, or, you know, c- celebrity kids in movies that I watched growing up. I was equally like, oh, like that boy's really cute, but oh, that girl's really pretty. And, and it just, it, it just kind of came naturally to me. And I like, I just, just viewed it through the lens, like, oh, I just probably want to be that girl's friend or, you know, and um, yeah. And I think I don't remember specifically in my childhood being told that being gay or being anything other than straight was a sin. I don't remember a specific moment, but it was still like ingrained in me um, that anything other than men and women um, being married and having families was um, a sure way to book a ticket to hell and God hated you. And, um, and so a big part of my growing up, I spent in the States actually um, until I was 10. And I remember thinking that, oh, if I had stayed in the States, I probably would have, um, the way that I was going, the path that I was heading on with my friendships with girls was that, oh, I'm so glad I left the States and moved because the way I was heading with these girls was I was going to, they were going to make me gay. And, (laughs) and, um, and so I just remember spending all my teen years being like, oh, thank you, God, for removing me from that situation and that temptation to <laughs> want to be more than friends with, with girls. And um, thank you for surrounding me with boys. And, <laughs> um, and so for a long time, I was, um, you know, at kids camp. I was a counselor. I was. Um, a worship leader, a Sunday school teacher, um, all of the all of the roles that um, I was allowed to play, <laughs> I I played in, and I just I thought that was it. 
I think that's probably a huge part of why it took me until my late 20s to figure out. And, and it's so weird, too, because it's like in the um, in the church when there's like, you know, like, oh, you're straight or you're gay, like you're good or bad or, or sinful or holy or whatever. It's, it's always in this binary concept, mm-hmm. right? So like I thought that either I was straight or I was gay. There was no, like I didn't have a label or an idea of anything else that it could be. And um, so I think that was also a big part of me wanting to come out because I wanted to sort of let people know that there is a, if you're into labels, I know not everyone is, but if you're into that, there's a place for you. You exist. You're valid, and um, and the fact that I am, you know, I am happily married to a man for almost eight years now, um, and have children, and I've never been in a relationship with a woman other than friendship. That doesn't mean that I, my identity is no longer valid, or you know that it doesn't exist um, because that's actually been what I've been learning a huge part of getting to know people in the queer community is that being erased from the narrative is a problem that um, happens even in within the queer community. There's a lot of uh, biphobia and um, just misunderstandings of what it means to be bisexual. And so I feel like I just really had to make a, a statement that I existed, that I was valid, and that it wasn't bad or wrong um, for me to still say that I had a relationship with God, um, that God had never asked me to change myself. And just like God decided, oh, Carly has brown eyes. Carly has um, wide hips. Carly has this. Carly has that. That's just, that's part of who I am, who I was created to be. And, um, and I've studied, I've studied all the Bible. I've studied, I've done my homework. I'm not just saying what feels good or, you know, sounds nice or whatever. Like I've actually done my studying and yeah, it's important to me that people know that you you can be a person of faith and be be queer or be um in a a relationship that's not necessarily the the norm or the society's idea of what you should be Mm -hmm. and um especially when there's such high stakes involved um where kids are coming out to their parents or older people are coming out to their families and they face so much rejection and so much mental health is, it's quite a process to even think about, am I ready to talk about this with people? And I've been doing it for almost two years and I still, I still get nervous sometimes because I never know, is this person I'm about to talk to, am I ready to not defend myself? but just stand 
true to who I am and, and, or am I going to be met with, you know, open arms or it's still, it's still a struggle for me. So that's why I know that it's, if it's a struggle for me, then I can't imagine how much of a struggle it must be for other marginalized identities, especially in the church. And so I think it's important for me to keep talking about it and get more comfortable in it. So that's my long-winded way of <laughs> of saying that that it's really important to me to be that person that someone can look at and go, oh, she's an example mm-hmm. of someone who's thriving and has a, a has faith and has a family and has loved ones and you know and that is that is possible and that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's absolutely important that you speak out about this and not just get lost in the the shadows of the binaries. And mm-hmm. um, you reached out to me, and then within the same week or so, two other people also reached out and said they're happily married to men and they're bi, and they want to figure out how to like convey that in the world somehow. Mm-hmm. And one of them said that she first heard about this concept of being bi by listening to a podcast. And that's what like (laughs) gave her the insight of like, Oh, that's what's going on for me. I didn't even realize that this Mm -hmm. was a thing. And so Mm -hmm. that may happen today from you sharing your story. And I hope so (laughs) important to, to share who you are so that others can, can know you, but also know themselves. Mm -hmm. What, prompted you to make this post two years ago like was there some kind of impetus that was like yes it's time for me to share this more broadly I think it was multiple a few multiple factors um I saw a friend of mine do her own coming out about being bi and married to her husband and um and she's the type of person that just speaks so eloquently and so fiery and she just inspires you to um to want to be like that (laughs) so when I read her post I was like okay I'm gonna work my way up to being like her and um so then my first sort of step into that was to talk to my husband about it and um (laughs) it's kind of funny he was I was really nervous to tell him because I was like, what if this is like a deal breaker for him? Like we've never talked about this. And, and so I, I told him, I was like, I think, I think I'm bisexual. And, and he was like, like, yeah, I figured. (laughs) And and I was like, what, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, you know, every time we like watch a movie or, or something like, we always end up having like the same taste in women that we're watching (laughs) on the screen. Like, so there were a few hints along the way that, you know, we're both talking about how, how cute this girl is or how, you know, how attractive this girl is. And that just seemed like a very natural conversation between the two of us. It wasn't wasn't weird. Um, And so I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, And so I was like, okay, well, now that I've had that conversation with him, he was the most important person yeah. in my life that I wanted to have that conversation with. And once that was, um, once that happened, 
And I felt just no animosity, no, like nothing had changed in our relationship. Nothing had been, you know, there hadn't been anger or misunderstandings or, or a fight or anything like that. It was just, yeah, I know it's okay. And I was, that kind of gave me a little bit more bravery to be like, okay, like I want to be more vocal about this and some people I know may not like it, but at the end of the day, he, he was the only person that I wanted to be okay with it. Right. And, um, and then the other thing that sort of um, had pushed me forward to be more vocal was um, actually becoming a mom myself. And um, I think growing up, I, I had always wanted to be a mom and um, I always wanted, oh gosh, four or five, six kids. And now I have two and I'm like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I was, I was reaching, <laughs> but I did not know my own limits, but that's a, that's another story. Um, but yeah, I had all these ideas in my head of how I was going to be a mom and I was going to raise them the way that I was raised. And, um, and then I became a parent and I started thinking of God as a parent for the first time. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to change my whole approach on this. Mm -hmm. I have only ever um, had an image of judgment and anger and, um, you know, apocalyptic level like events and now I'm a parent and I feel nothing but love for these people that I brought into the world. And how could, how could, um, this being of love that, you know, we're told created us, how could they not feel anything but total love for us? Mm -hmm. And, and then I thought, oh my gosh, I don't want my kids to grow up feeling like they can't talk to me or their dad or someone in their life if they are questioning who they are. I don't want to continue that cycle. I want to be, um, I want to be someone who breaks the cycles of um, repression and oppression and just say that this sort of, this sort of um, pattern ends with me as much as I have the power to do so. And so, I mean, my kids are fairly young still, but I want, I've wanted to always just be out in the open with them so that they know, yeah, my mom's bisexual and that's just how it's always been. And, mm-hmm. and it's not a big deal. And we go to pride events as a family and, you know, like, I just want them to be, um, to feel free in that kind of environment and not uh, ever feel afraid to, um, be themselves. And so I was like, if I, if I'm going to break that cycle with them, I need to start with myself (laughs) Mm -hmm. and get over my own fear and my own, um, self-judgment and, or else I'm going to pass that on. subconsciously and was there anyone that it was really hard to share it with 
that you've had a bad reaction with? When I came out first, I got mixed reviews. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A lot of people were really supportive and, um, and then uh, a lot of people, I got messages from, from some people that were really concerned about my marriage, saying that I was basically cheating on my husband by being proud about this and, um, and former pastors and youth pastors of mine expressed concern about my faith and, um, and yeah, I've had, I've had Steve, my husband, uh, show me screenshots of, uh, things that people have sent to him of stuff that I have said online about myself. Like it was some sort of gotcha thing, like, Oh, look what your wife's saying about herself. And he's like, you think we haven't already talked about this? Like, you think I don't know about this? Like, I don't know what your plan was (laughs) with, with sending me these screenshots, but okay. I mean, that was, that was hard that, and that has been hard to get that kind of opposition from people that I care about. Um, it hasn't been super aggressive or super, um, yeah, it hasn't been as bad as it could be, but I'm such a people pleaser (laughs) that even having that little amount of people not being okay with who I am, even though I hadn't changed at all. (laughs) Um, yeah, it was really hard for me to be, uh, to stay true to myself and stay strong and to continue trying to have a conversation with them, um, that I didn't want it to turn into a theological debate. Um, but sometimes it, happened anyways and um yeah so and now we just don't really talk anymore so that's kind of been a bit of a grief there that I feel of losing that connection with um people that I grew up with and pastors and leaders that I grew up with um and then the other side of it is that there's actually just been a lot of silence, people that don't say anything. And that's in some ways, that's almost harder because I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know where they're at. And if, if I'm in a relationship with somebody, I would much rather know where I stand with Mm -hmm. them rather than be guessing (laughs) and So I think that's why it's important as well, if you are an ally, to speak out, to be vocal about it, so that people like me who are scared and in the closet go, oh, you make a mental note that this person was okay with me if I was to say something that wouldn't change our relationship. Like, if you are an ally, but you're silent about it, we don't know that. We can't read your minds. <laughs> and at least for me, I if someone is silent with me, I assume the worst. <laughs> so 
um, I encourage anyone who considers themselves to be an ally to, to try and speak about that as much as you can, because we're listening and we're watching and mm-hmm. we're making note of who we can trust. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I definitely have had a mixed response from people. And then there's other people that aren't on social media at all, like family members in my life that I haven't even really had a conversation with about it yet. I haven't told them. Mm-hmm. If, if they've seen something on my social media, they haven't said anything. But as far as I know, they don't have social media. So it's like they only know about me what they see. And I don't know if I'm if I feel safe enough to have that conversation with them or mm-hmm. not. Um, and so it feels kind of weird that I'm like, hey, I'll do a podcast <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. talk about this. But there's people in my life that I haven't even really told. So, you know, maybe um, maybe this will be my way of telling them I can send them right. <laughs> the podcast. Link. There you go. <laughs> really passive aggressively. Just be like, here's my story. <laughs> but somehow it feels important for you to, to get that out there. Yeah, it is. Um, and I've already seen like good fruit of that is that I've had multiple people now, um, privately come out to me who can't mm-hmm. anywhere else yet yeah. your safe space. Yeah. And that means a lot to me. I always feel really honored when someone can trust me with that, that um, sacred part of themselves. Um, I've had, I've even had a couple of, of kids that I used to teach or babysit growing up in the church who I, I kind of like wondered about, but didn't really like say anything. And then they have, you know, said to me privately that, you know, that they're not straight or, you know, whatever. And, and, I'll, and I'm like, okay. So even when I wasn't um, aware of it in myself or I was repressing it in myself, I was still noticing there are people everywhere in the church that are closeted and, you know, they could, it could be so much different if we let it mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and it could be an even more beautiful place if we let it. And so um, that's, that's another thing I'm passionate about is that, I mean, there are definitely some days where I'm like, you know what, I'm done with church. I'm done with God. I'm done with this whole thing. It's just too much. It's too abusive. It's too um, narrow minded. It's, I just, I can't, I can't deal with it anymore. And then other times I get glimpses of hope where there's, you know, a service that, um, you know, specifically mentions that they're affirming, not just that all are welcome here and then we'll try to change you. That's in parentheses, <laughs> but just all are welcome here as you are um, in all your, in, in your relationships, in your expression, in your identity, like that's all welcome here and like okay like so and that that can be really healing for Mm -hmm. a lot of us who grew up with the trauma of repressing ourselves and for some people I can understand why that would be too traumatic for them to try and relive and that's okay they don't I don't require them to um continue being part of something that 
feels um, more abusive than healing at this point in their lives. And so, but as far as myself goes, I will try to be a bridge between, um, between those um, groups of people for as long as I can. And I think it's, it's been hard, but it's been worth it to me to keep um, speaking up and letting myself be seen as I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such an interesting place as a bisexual person. Like you, you could easily hide, slide by, like yeah we we talk about how like my wife and I are constantly coming out because of our kids because we were both pregnant at the same time and so Mm -hmm. it's constantly outing us but yeah what like there's something yeah I guess you've you've said it a few times now like that it's important to do it to be visible for other people to Mm -hmm. be honest about who you are internally is that another reason why yeah I think, um, yeah, it could be really easy for me to be straight passing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, It's also fairly easy for me to be white passing. And, um, and I've definitely seen a correlation there that I've, I've kind of had this privilege of being able to blend in with what society says is normal and acceptable and the top of the pyramid. And I have had to really dig deep into my ancestry and in my current identity and go, you know, like there are people out here that are like me that are suffering because they can't hide. Mm -hmm. They don't have, they don't have that shelter of privilege. And I am not okay with just letting that happen anymore now that I see it (laughs) for what it is um I I want to um if there's any privilege that I have I want to use it to help others that don't have it Mm -hmm. and if there's if there's any marginalized part of me I want to make that really big and visible and important so that it's not marginalized anymore and I want all of me to be aligned and um, not feel like there's, okay, this is, this, is, this is what I can show to people and this I have to hide away. And, you know, like, so, yeah, that's been really, just in the last probably year or so has, has become more evident to me that people like me need to stand out and take some heat if necessary Mm -hmm. and um, try to make life better for others, even if it means giving up some of our, our benefits. (laughs) This episode of the coming out Chronicles was brought to you by centered life coaching. We help you know yourself to free yourself and be yourself. So you can live the fullest expression of who you really are. Stay tuned. There's more to come in this episode. What would you say is your next coming out chapter? 
maybe on the frivolous side of things, I want to do something um, with my expression that's maybe a little bit more bold. Like I, I tried dyeing my hair purple a few months ago and it lasted for a few weeks and now it's orange. And so I regret that. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking about, you know, shaving it all off. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's quarantine. There's nobody to impress. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Or just get like a bunch more tattoos or a bunch more piercings or something like that's kind of my, like, Oh, I want to, I want to look a little bit more expressive. I want to look a little bit more queer or a little bit more, you know, not just like suburban house mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, and on the more serious side of things, I guess I would like to, as much as it feels safe to, I would like to be able to have conversations with um, people in my life that I haven't really told, I haven't really been fully honest about myself with them yet. And, um, and just, I think right now, um, with everybody being online so much more, it's, it's easy to kind of get caught up in that conversation behind your keyboard and, I, I'm really brave, you know, when it comes to writing um, words that I can edit or delete or, you know, just make it sound really good. And I would like when it's um, appropriate to, again, have in-person conversations with people, I would like to um, bring that um, bravery that I sometimes have into my in-person conversations mm -hmm. and uh but I still I still get like little mini panic attacks about it in my body because I I don't know if it's going to be safe for me yet and um so I'm really I really love hiding behind a keyboard at this point mm -hmm. <laughs> in my life and and um, yeah, as my kids get older, I would like to be able to just um, have the have the words to teach them that someone like their mom and their dad, their relationship and and our friends that they have in their lives that are uncles to them or aunts to them, you know, like I want to be able to take them to weddings and and to, you know, like I said earlier, to take them to pride events and just different things so that um, that uh, that's just a, a celebrated part of their life. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think I'm nervous about that because I'm still learning. I'm still uncovering the, the biases that I have and I'm still learning what is um what is the right way to say something so I want to teach them in a way that is helpful and kind and good 
and not be held back by my fear of saying the wrong thing or not knowing enough yet or, um, you know, there's, there's so much, I mean, there's always been so much that we have to teach our kids, but it feels like there's so much more now knowing now that we know better about so many things, we can choose to do better <laughs> about those things. And it's a lot of work and it's really tiring. And, uh, but I have hope that it's worth it in the end to see our kids grow into inclusive, kind, um, and fun, fun people, <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't have to always be so serious. That's all going to be stuff that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. When you think about going to a family member that it's felt kind of like hard or scary to come out to what, what truth do you need to feel like deep inside of yourself to embolden you to go do it? Ultimately, I have to keep reminding myself that this person that I'm talking to is um, another human being like myself, one who's lived a whole life, who's had various traumas and various uh, biases that are implicitly put into them. And maybe they truly don't know better. And, um, and I am wanting to not look at them like they're an enemy waiting to happen. The truth that I want to stand in is that, is that if, if I believe God created me, then I also must believe that God created them. And um, ultimately the only thing that I need to remember, even if this person does not accept me is that um, they're not my enemy and that I'm at the end of the day, I'm a child of God. And that's, that's all that really matters. And, um, and if, if God wants me to change something about myself, then I'm sure that they will, uh, let me know personally. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, it's, it's really hard to get past the hurt sometimes and see the person that's hurting you as a loved human being. Um, and we all have our own journey to go on and Mm -hmm. I can hope that, that at least I might be one person who said something to them that they might remember later further on in their journey. And I know that any conversation I have in person with somebody that I'm worried about, I'm probably just going to be crying the whole time. So (laughs) actually I'm really impressed that I haven't cried at all during this conversation that we've had, (laughs) not because I'm nervous to talk to you, but because it just, I'm so passionate and it's all important. So important to me that I always get emotional in these kinds of conversations and I am like holding it together and I am just really proud of myself right now something that has um struck me recently is that a lot of our fear leading up to the thing is usually worse than the actuality of it yes yes like I said earlier 
I assume the worst. And that's kind of my, that's been my training since I was a kid is to uh, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And so, yeah, the anticipation leading up to something. um, Yeah, that's, that's definitely the, in some cases that's worse than the actual conversation that you need to have or the thing that you need to do. (laughs) And I hope, I would hope that at the end, when it's all said and done that you feel a little bit better, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like at least that's done. (laughs) Well, at least you're, you're congruent then. Like there's not that part where you're going against yourself. Yes. Yes. I have spent way too many years, wasted way too much time fighting with myself. Mm -hmm. And it is time for alignment and integration and um, wholeness. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) May it be so. I love all those words. I, I look forward to hearing how that plays out for you as you live more and more into your truth. Mm, me too. And I'm sure it'll all go into that book that I'm mm-hmm. slowly writing. <laughs> awesome. Well, let us know when you have that ready and also okay. send us a picture when you get your shaved head or your new <laughs> tattoo or whatever your big <laughs> visible change is. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, I will. Awesome. Thank you for sharing your story with us, Carly. Thanks for listening to the Coming Out Chronicles. If you enjoyed it and you think it would be helpful for someone else, please share it with them. If you'd like to connect with me, reach out on social. I'd love to support you in the next chapter of your coming out story. I can help you know yourself, free yourself, and be yourself. Until next time, this is Nancy Shadlock from Centered Life Coaching.